And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Surprise! We are, uh, this is a little surprise for you listeners. We I, we tried to keep this on the down low. There was no marketing. There was no, you know, anticipation. We just wanted to surprise you guys. But Hold That Podcast is back. Is T-Bob Bear back? No. But I think we have, uh, maybe, you know, a better option. An, uh, an even better teammate. So, you know, I, I, I listened to the feedback from a lot of you guys after we um, T-Bob and I had to end the show. And, you know, the, the feedback was strong. You guys wanted hold that podcast to continue and and you know i was kind of i'll be honest with you guys i was kind of torn i didn't know if i wanted to keep doing this but i'll be honest something a little nice little surprise happened and it was that one of my my best friends down in new orleans and a guy who i think i love talking about sports with more than maybe anybody uh is chris branch that to give away the tease was hired by the athletic and he is a new staff writer who we will get to in a second and we decided, shoot, if I'm going to keep this going, the only way I want to keep this going is with my guy, Chris Branch. And I think we can have a lot of fun with this. And I will I will now let you introduce yourself, Chris Branch, the Athletics new staff writer, and tell us about what your role is going to be at the company and say hello. Well, hey, Brody. Uh, thanks for that very warm welcome. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy how things work out timing-wise there, right? Um, yeah, I will be a staff writer for The Athletic. I'm helping launch uh, a daily sports newsletter that I can let you guys know more about in the coming weeks. We are doing a lot of testing. We're, we're uh, iterating and, you know, uh, experimenting a lot, but it, it's a really exciting time, and uh, I'm really excited to be here. And as a Hold, the pod- Hold That Podcast listener, uh, I'm excited to be on the other side and uh, do what you and I do on a normal basis, maybe over a couple of beers, but uh, in a professional sense. Yeah, and I think what's going to make this a cool little change of pace is, granted, T- you know, T-Bob was also a fan, and but he was a former player, and brought, but I think what's going to make this kind of fun is that we almost, but he still covered LSU in a very, you know, real day-to-day way as a host. I think we can have a really cool dynamic here that I think fans will will kind of enjoy, I hope, and hey, if you don't, please tell us, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, you know, it's, it's, it's the beat writer and also the very, very educated fan, and I think that can give, like, a two-sides to the debate and two perspectives to the to the conversations outlook to you know talking about LSU football every week and I think that's going to be fun and and also I think we want to be the fun show you know like like uh Chris Chris's brand essentially on Twitter is uh Porch Bebs he likes he likes tweeting at you know Stan Van Gundy or whoever and be like come have Porch Bebs with me and my my Porch and Gentilly and we want this to be the show where like Chris and I are going to record probably half of these episodes with, over some porch bevs and talking LSU football and and just kind of making it a, a just a fun show where we it, it feels relatable to you guys and relatable to us and we're just kind of it all feels conversational and that's the goal. I mean, shoot, right now and we'll get to this more in a second, but we are literally I am we we are displaced due to Hurricane Ida as we speak. We are uh, you are uh, in Orange Beach, is that correct? 
Uh, I'm in Gulf Shores. Um, so I am recording this Gulf in, Shores, okay. in, in a, uh, a pantry of a beach condo that I am sharing with five other people and four other <laughs> you animals. You did not tell me that. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at a bunch of tortilla chips and some spaghetti sauce. And uh, what a better way to start the season, right? I was going to say, we can figure out the metaphor for that in a second. I don't know what it is yet. But no, I, I mean, and I'm recording this in Aiken, South Carolina. Also, you know, neither of us are able to really go to our homes yet right now and just figuring out we're going to crash the next few weeks. And also, I should say and make, make sure our listeners know that is also why the audio and the setup of that isn't isn't what it normally will be and what you're normally used to on the show. I, I like to believe you've come to trust our audio quality on this show. The athletic podcast team is incredible. But right now we're kind of recording this on the run and part of us felt like this was the perfect way to start it because it was just like hey man this is real life this is not going to be some boilerplate show this is what's really going on and we're we're just like hey let's let's do this uh what's the word when it's like real i don't know the the cool french term but but yeah we we wanted to just lean into it so we're I don't know two games what you're talking about <laughs> Ah, I'm more, I'm, you're, I'm more cultured than you, but not cultured enough to know it. So it's like, you're, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm very. Uh, Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so obviously we are two days till the LSU season openers. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon in different places across the country. And yeah, I mean, we are, you know, there's an LSU game to talk about, but you know, as well as I right now that that's almost the least important thing in the world. So I guess, you know, just what's like walk us through your situation and just kind of, I don't know, we're all in kind of a wild spot right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was thinking about the game this morning because it has been the weirdest game week that I can remember in a while. But on the other hand, it's not. And it's sad that it's not because I was replaying all of the hurricane games in my mind that we have experienced. I mean, just, just to give like, uh, for our listeners who don't know who I am, you know, I grew up in Baton Rouge. I've been an LSU fan my entire yeah. life. You know, I, I should have act- I'm so sorry. It's okay. We're, we're doing, this I should have let you do a full bio. It's okay. No, uh, I, I grew up in Baton Rouge. I've been going to LSU games since I was a toddler. Um, and then, you know, I've been in sports journalism now away from LSU. So I, I'm still allowed to be a fan. Uh, Basically, I can. I like to think that I can talk through the depth chart with you, but also, if LSU loses this weekend, I'll want to like jump off a bridge where you you will not, uh, because you're an objective reporter. Um, but you know, I was thinking about uh, that game in 2005 when uh, Jamarcus Russell flicks a touchdown pass across his body in a game that was relocated from Tiger Stadium to uh, Arizona State in Tempe. And then the game when we came back uh, after Gustav was that Les Miles' first year. Oh, I'm, I'm doing this all. Yeah, it was Les Miles' first game. Lost yeah. Tennessee, but it was a great game. It was like a, it got rescheduled for a Monday night. It was the weirdest. There was no tailgating. There was no fanfare. But it's it sucks that this is a reoccurring thing. And and I know that this game wasn't displaced, but it still has that feeling, you know. None none of us are are back in town in Baton Rouge, nobody's going to a tailgate or even probably not a lot of people are able to just gather with all their friends and family and watch the game. I, I hope as many people can do that as possible. I'm, I'm going to try to do that. I'm, I'm going to be back in Baton Rouge tomorrow um, to see what the vibes are like, but I don't know if anybody can do it. LSU can, um, you know, and it, that's, that was, that, that's been kind of my question for you, Brody, is that from what you're hearing from people, inside the program like how are they handling this i know they had to go to houston and it was a long journey as all of us had trying to get out of louisiana with 
roads jammed and I, I know they had like a 10 hour bus ride. Right. But, um, you know, what is the vibe like from, from them to you? Yeah. I think it's almost like a two part answer there because I think anyone at LSU football would be the first to tell you they're fine. You know what I mean? Like they're almost downplaying like any, any notion that they specifically have it hard, which is probably the right way to handle that because yeah, they're like, Hey, we are safe. We are fine. We're set up in a, a super nice facility and, you know, in Houston and like everything's okay. And, and you know, one person even said, yeah, as you mentioned, they basically had to frantically pack up and relocate to Houston and hop in a bus. And I think they left, to 9.30 at night and arrived at 8 a.m. And that's normally a four-hour drive and it took 11 hours because everybody's evacuating. But one person was quick to stop me and be like, if that's the worst thing we have to deal with in this, like, we're fine. So they're the first to say that. And also they're, they're basically saying once we got to Houston, the hard part was figuring out where to go like are they going to go to dallas where they talk to them for a little bit are they going to go to houston all right if we go somewhere do we have a place to work out do we have a place to practice stay all that stuff that was the crazy part the 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 end on the equipment managers for example like getting everything ready for like three different trips because they're sending stuff half the stuff to la half the stuff to houston that stuff's hard once they got there they're basically like hey it's just like a bowl week where you're just practicing somewhere else and living somewhere else and dealing with hotels for a week they're used to that but so the, obviously the team's fine but the the challenging part and the really the tough part that everyone really deep down understands is the idea that hey ha- i don't know i don't have the exact percentage but such a large large portion of this roster are guys from south louisiana they are guys from that mississippi coast area and i think that's what makes this all so much harder when you go player by player and you know i have a story coming out within the next i don't know sometime this afternoon recording this thursday at one o'clock but it's gonna about just everything this week and and a lot of them have been crushed i mean glenn logan you know the defensive lineman his mother uh had a tree go through her house while she was she didn't evacuate and it crushed her house and she's living out of a hotel for the foreseeable future and figuring things out and and john emery's mother she had a her her house flooded basically above the windows and in destrahan also both of them are in the destrahan area mm-hmm. and you know mason home mason smith the star five-star defensive tackle he's from He's from Homa. That got hit as bad as anywhere, and his his parents are are from what I've been told okay, but you know they don't know the damage back home right now. And and same goes for you know John Trey Kirkland and Lutcher or or so many others where just the damage is they won't even really know till they get back home. So so much of this team is you know relocating to Houston for while leaving basically their families and homes behind and not knowing what's going to happen and whether they have a home to go back to. So it's a really tough situation in that sense. And I think that's what makes this all so difficult. But at the same time, uh, you know, people I've talked to have said they, the players are handling it really well. It's a veteran team. Everybody's, you know, and they're obviously, they're going to say that stuff. You always have to take it with a grain of salt, but they're, 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 they're acting maturely. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a it's a crazy week, and I even had one person say Ed Ogeron's kind of like it, it, it's it's stinging him that he's not back in Louisiana because yeah. you know he's a guy obviously who is like the most the most Louisiana person any of us know right and like just Mister right. Cajun and Larose got destroyed. Uh, his high school South Lafouche got as bad as any high school that I've heard of. So I think you know it's tough for him too, but I know he's been in his messaging to the team really reiterating that like you know this is this is for Louisiana and they're gonna be back home listening. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I hope it could be a distraction. Uh, hurricane sucks. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. And, um, big if true, yeah. Big if true, but, you know, it's pretty good at the motivational stuff, uh, it seems like. So, <laughs> hopefully it's a good distraction. So, I want to put it. Yes, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so let's actually get to some football, because that's what the show is going to be on an average basis. And 
I feel like people are sick of listening to me talk. I want to know, just like going into this season, as a, a fan and a, a veteran reporter, like how you view this, just how you looked at that 2020 season, because I've talked to T-Bob out at length. I've not really got to pick your brain the same way. How you viewed that 5-5 five and five disastrous season and like what it means for how you're viewing this season going forward. I mean, as any LSU fan would tell you, the first two to three months were just miserable. I mean, I, I had very high hopes for the team last year going into the year. And, uh, I, you know, we don't have to rehash the bad stuff. I will say that after those last two, three games and then coming through the whole offseason and seeing what's going on, like my expectations are like surprisingly high. And I feel like, you know, LSU, the, the national media at large is kind of downplaying LSU right now. But like, I don't know, I'm just super high on Max. And like, I think he would have been arguably the best choice him or Miles. I mean, both of them are great quarterbacks, and I think Miles got a really raw deal through this whole thing. But, man, Max showed a lot of moxie last year. Uh, that game in the swamp was like, it made everything fine. <laughs> and, and I know Florida was missing Kyle Pitts, but it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, the fact that LSU won that game was incredible at the time for a freshman, uh, you know, a true freshman. And it was his first start, right? Am I remembering that correctly? The Florida game was indeed, yeah. I mean, can't, like, I don't know. So I, I think that they're loaded. I think that they've probably hired a little better, you know, uh, for all of uh, Ed's misses last year, coaching-wise. Um, he has shown from his old mistakes to his old shoot days. I mean, it's a, it's a cliche story at this point that he learns from his mistakes. Uh, and I hope that this year that he has taken that same trend with these new hires. Um, I don't see why they can't be a 10 and 2 team. I mean, I just, I think that's realistic. Um, you know, you, you have the normal powers in the SEC, but like, I don't know. I, I, I like this team. I like the shots that they have. And uh, I am hoping that Saturday <laughs> proves, me, proves me correct. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. <laughs> well, I think it's just such this weird little middle ground you just have to like wrestle with and decide where you're going to put your faith because there's two it's like you have to wrestle with hey i know just my brain in a vacuum knows this team is really deep in all these areas and you look at the talent and just the roster and the depth chart and you're like there's no reason just pure dollars and cents and all that that like this team shouldn't be really good they are just really talented and experienced and have that chip on your shoulder but then there's the other part of you where you're like you can't just erase like you can't just like take out of your brain how bad last year was you can't just assume like just like that like that you know voila the defensive miscommunications and just coverage bus and incompetence quite frankly that that stuff's just gonna be fixed right away so you're like it's like you have to do this weird thing of basically being like okay i think they're a 10 and 2 team but do i think like 10 percent of those issues still exist or 50 percent like uh, and that's why or maybe you have complete faith that durante jones and and you know jake Peets have come in and fixed a lot of those issues i think that's where like the stress thing is and it's why i've like made it i basically vowed not to confidently predict anything because which is a brilliant coward way out of anything but to yeah, basically yeah. just because i don't know yeah the coward's way out for sure um stick your reputation with something brody like you know that was fine um, I will say something that <laughs> well, you and I, something you and I have talked about before, you know, off air is that if LSU's defense was average last year, they would have been what seven and three. Average. They, no, that's a great way of phrasing it. Yeah, and at so, least six, probably seven and three. Yeah, you win Missouri, you shoot. I don't know if you win Mississippi State, but you definitely win Missouri, and you might win one other. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's an easy thing. So. If Durante Jones can come make some minor edits, and I, and I know they're running a different defense, but, like, if he can just button up those tiny things, like, I don't see why. And the offense is there. I mean, we have faith in the offense, right? Like, um, you have Jake Peets and DJ Mangus coming in, and they obviously have experience in the Joe Brady offense. Um, you have all the talent. And a team that was putting up crazy numbers at the end of last year anyway with basically everybody back. So... I just, if the defense is 20% better, Wait, I think LSU. I got to ju- I got, I have to have a, this is going to be a fun debate then, because my weird thing right now is I am actually, I think a little more confident in the defense than I am the offense, which is probably a wild thought to many, because yeah, the defense was like the worst in LSU history last year, and all of these reasons that we don't need to go through again, but I actually think I'm more confident there, because I, I know that defensive line is literally eight or nine deep and just dominating this you know fall camp and just loaded. I know that Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley are the best cornerback duo in the country, and I'm actually decently confident in the linebacker room. You know, safety I have question marks about, but linebacker. So it's like I'm actually, and I think they're going to keep it. I've heard they're going to keep it very vanilla at least those first few weeks, which is obviously a uh, reaction to last year. But I, I have like more confidence in the defense than I do the offense because. The offense that I still think is going to be good. I'm not like down on the offense. I'm a, I'm a Max Johnson believer. I had a big profile on him last week, but I think I'm like with the offense. There's okay. I don't know what's going to happen with the O line. I don't know, you know, receiver. I I I think Keishon Butte is a star, but I actually don't truly know what's going to happen with the other two running back. I never know what that's going to happen. So I'm I'm just I'm passing this to you, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's a fun debate. Is like, am I crazy for thinking oh. I have more faith in the defense, even though it's the one thing that was a disaster? Uh. 
I, I do think you are, yes. Because I think there was more to fix. Hell yeah. I, I mean, like, this is going to be... So, follow me here, you know, Ed likes to say that he wants to have the Joe Brady offense again. He, he wants to install it again. But, like, it didn't change that much last year. The terminology, the playbook. It, Steven Zinger is still there. We're, I mean, the offense looked the same, like, framework-wise. It's obviously mostly different people executing it. But, like, and they put up crazy offensive numbers most games. I mean, they struggled Auburn and A&M, but, you know, TJ Finley was starting those games. It was a little rougher. And then, but if you look at the start of the year, at the end of the year, those off, the offense was putting up numbers against good teams. And I just, I don't see a reason why that slows down. I mean, it significantly or at all. And then, I mean, you have the classic. So, uh, there's the, there is the, the cliche storyline now of the, uh, when is John Emery going to break out? And I'm, I'm ready for it. I hope it happens. But like, I need to see it. But I mean, if that's the biggest worry, and, and I know the offensive line might be a little bit of a worry, but I don't know. From, from what I saw from Max last year, that basically most of the receiver room is back. I know Terrace left in the middle of the year last year, which he should have, but that's another conversation. Um, I don't know. I, they're, they're all back. I think there's more to fix on the defensive side. And like, like I said, like, maybe those are really easy fixes because there were such glaring stupid mistakes last year of like communication and like yeah, guys were, guys running wide open down the scene. But like, I don't know. I feel like that's, and that might be a coaching thing. Maybe Bo Pelini is not great at that, that part of it, or it just wasn't connecting with the guys as he should have been. It seems like that's the thing. And, um, you know, from what I gather from the coverage this year is that Durante Jones is really connecting with people. And that's just, I don't know. It's, it's like such an easy fix. And then, let the talent be talent, and let's win some football games. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a totally fair argument. And, and and shoot, even just to like make your argument for you a little more, even is that thank you. You know, and I and I and I mean this. <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. You're bad at it, so I gotta help. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's it, like like you're saying the offense. It should just kind of keep rolling, and I think there's something to that, and even to boost it even more. And I mean this as a positive. The Steve Ens- I mean, I think anyone would tell you, yeah, I, I'm very. I've been the biggest Steve Ensminger defender since I literally joined this beat in the summer of 2018. But I think there was a little bit of, hey, they kept the same scheme last year, but they didn't quite know how to run Brady's scheme as well. Like the sharpness was lacking. You know what I mean? Where it's like mm-hmm. same scheme, mm-hmm. things were good, and yeah, Brennan threw for like 400 yards a game. The offense was fine before yeah, the injuries, yeah. but but exactly. still, there was just a lack of like that certain thing. And I think the big thing with Ensminger leaving, and, and again, biggest Ensminger defender, but I think Pete's is just going to, from what I've gathered, bring back that sharpness a little bit and bring back that kind of really firm grasp of how to run that that Saints scheme and all that. So, so yeah, I think there's a, a, there's a lot of validity to that. I just think it's like, I guess the way I view it is, I'm like all about, like, you know me, I'm sometimes I'm like a very overly nerdy thought thinker where I'm like, I think of things in percentages where I'm like, I, yes, you're right that I probably know, like, the offense is going to be pretty good. I know that. But, like, there's a lot more, like, where receiver I am 50% sure. And running back, I'm 30% sure. And quarterback, as much as I am a Max Johnson guy, what, 60% sure? We don't have that much sample size with him and all that. So mm-hmm. it's just, like, there's a, and the O-line, I'm, I don't know, 30%. Like, there's just more that could, and with defense, I think, I, I think I view it a little bit more in the, I know that D-line is loaded. I know those corners are loaded. Well, like I'm more sure of those two positions on the team than anywhere on the offense. And and I and then I'll go back to 
I actually do think it's as simple as Bo Pelini is not coaching this defense anymore, and Bill Bush is not coaching the safeties, even though Bill Bush did some great stuff. I think there were some issues last year, and I really do kind of think it's like you can just, if you just, I think it's possible to just eliminate the absurd incompetence, and if you can, my thing is if you can eliminate that incompetence, that talent's so good, there's no on-paper reason this shouldn't be like a top-five defense, while offense, like, yeah, I could see them being like the third best. It wouldn't blow me away in the SEC. But also in size, we have to like ninth. And they're just pretty solid, but like kind of flawed, like 2018. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a chance there's that. So I actually, I, I think like your argument's a good one. I don't, so I'm not even disagreeing. I think I'm just weirdly more confident in the defense. That might be a terrible take. Maybe I'm dumb. And maybe this is just uh, years of LSU offensive incompetence that was built in me and then completely broken by 2019 in the best way but like i just don't see them going back to that like i i don't know like uh, i appreciated how ed made the comment was in yesterday's presser where he was like we really want to get back to 50 50 and we need to run the ball more it was just like it's just hilarious when that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and like but it's, tr- it's true though i mean yes because as our, as our listeners know he spent th- yeah it's it's true so though i mean like and the only thing I would be worried about on offense is the offensive line and then, you know, the running backs are in this boat. Like, it seems like all the running backs are pretty talented. And, I mean, Max was, you know, making quick decisions last year as a, a true freshman. And, like, if he is just advancing as he should be, like, I don't know. I mean, we talked about in 2019 how, you know, the offensive line was great, but, like, Joe was getting the ball out in two seconds, three seconds, and, like, it, they didn't have to be great for him. And, like, I'm not saying that Max is going to be Joe back yeah. there, but, like, if if he can make quick decisions and we can have those quick routes come up and that precision that you're talking about that was the hallmark of the Brady offense, like, I don't see a reason why they can't be just as good or not better than they were last year when they were winning games. I guess the, de- the defense is just, like, I got to see it. Like, I mean, the defense last year was talented as hell, and they're just, they're making Mike Leach and Missouri look like, you know, they're Alabama. So... Um, I just need to see it with the defense. I mean, <laughs> as as a fan, I am very hopeful, but yeah, uh, I got to see it. But again, if the defense is pretty good, I think if we if LSU holds UCLA to twenty eight points, I think we win. You can say we, man, lean in. I know. I was, I, I'm trying to be, but I think if I think if UCLA can score four touchdowns, and I still think LSU wins the game. That's fair. And I guess that is probably the best way to, like, we, we can keep talking about LSU as we talk about the game. But, like, let's pivot into, yeah, I mean, this is, I think it's, I literally was on the show yesterday talking about this. I think it's, like, the hardest game to handicap because it is literally two teams that nobody is sure if they can buy yet. Where UCLA, mm-hmm. they do have that next up and come revive to them right now. They brought back, like, just insane amounts of production. I think they're, like, one or two or somewhere at top five in the country in returning production which is one of my favorite metrics. And, yeah. you know, they looked so good last week against a, a bad Hawaii team, of course, mm-hmm. but still, they, yeah. they look they look good. And so it's like one team that nobody really believes in, but they look like they're the next thing, and another team that nobody believes in because they were such a disaster, but everybody knows they're talented. So it's like two opposite ends of being unsure, but also believing they might be great. And that's what makes this like the most... Uh, Clemson Georgia is the best game that's not even close, but this is like the most interesting in some ways because of that. It'll so be, it, I'm, I'm going to ask you. Uh, I think that's a great way to phrase it. Yes, I love that. So, what is the main thing that you are like? I, it's such a boring uh, talking head way to ask the question, but like, what's the main thing you're like looking for as you watch this game? Uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, the defense, LSU's defense, like I said, but I think the other main thing that I'm looking forward to is, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I want to see the offense. I'm curious to what you know, and I admittedly have not read as, as much about, like, what is UCLA's defense like? Like, what can I even expect there? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I don't think it's going to be like an amazing defense or anything like that. Like if you look at last year's defense, I'm trying to pull, uh, you know, they were 81st in SP plus, but in this, by the way, this, this goes back to exactly the whole thing we're talking about of like, no one knows what to buy. UCLA only played a handful of games last year because of the Pac-12 like limited schedule and all that. And so they have even a less of a sample size. And then I had one person who I trust really well in the Pac-12 who's like, UCLA looked really good, but they're playing against a bunch of, quite frankly, kind of soft Pac-12 teams. And I'm, those are not my words. I do not know if I believe that. I'm just saying like, there's, there's this whole thing of just not being able to tell what UCLA is because of their competition and the small sample size. But I, I've talked to some people who think they have a nose tackle who is you know, a legitimate top 50 NFL pick. I'm blanking on his name. I'm a terrible reporter, but you know, they, they have a really good nose tackle. It's probably as good as anyone else you has up front. They have a really good safety back there. They've got some guys, but yeah, I mean, LSU should be able to move the ball in UCLA. I I think, I think so much of, yeah, I think it's going to be the perfect kind of opening day test where, yeah, it's a power five team and they're going to show you if you can play or not, but it's not going to be a brutal test for that offense. So yeah, I think, I think LSU should have the advantage offense the defense, but I think because we should not be judging that Hawaii game. That Hawaii team was genuinely bad, but but I I don't quite know where this UCLA defense stands, which is probably why it's such a fun test. Are you so the the defensive tackle is oh my god I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name I I feel bad for him. No, you have to try. It's actually the rules. You have to try. Okay, yeah, I think you nailed what it, my guy. Do, uh, Hopefully someone uh, emails us. I'm, so- um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't want to do the thing where I make fun of it. But yeah, yeah, it's, um, a tough, anyway. it's a fine line. Exactly. I'm not making fun of it. I just, um, uh, my, I'm lacking there. Um, that's my biggest thing because I, I do think, you know, and we can get into the prediction game later, which I'm sure you will waffle out and coward out on. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, I damn think right that probably UCLA will score some points early, just because it's it's it's, it's Chip Kelly, it's you know, and the offense looked good last week, and they're going to score some points, and they, and they seems like they have some talent back there, but and LSU's defense will be having its first game, and I so I expect a couple quick touchdowns, I'm sure, as LSU gains its footing, but like, are we expecting 45 points from LSU? Or are we expecting 31? Big difference, but like, I don't see them scoring less than that, and like. God forbid if that's true. Um, <laughs> we're, in, we're in a world of trouble if we can't score 30 points on UCLA. But, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's my curiosity is, like, A, how good is UCLA's defense? Like, can they get us off the field a few times? And B, like, how quickly can we adjust to the Chip Kelly offense? And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think, and just to bounce off, I think the thing that I'm watching the most, and just like I should say intrigued by, yeah, I think we're both, we want to see what this defense looks like, but it's almost like we're basically just looking to see if they give up the errors because I think they're going to be very vanilla, like we said earlier. I just think, I think it's just like, yeah, do they seem like they fixed it? Because this will be a good test for that, actually. Like, Chip Kelly is going to do some funky stuff to, like, keep them on their toes. I've heard he does do some kind of cool stuff with moving his tight ends around to really mess with you a little bit. So, yeah, there's it's going to be a test of, like, I think our number I my thing with Durante Jones has from the start been I believe Durante Jones is a good football coach and because I always separate there are two different things of I think he's a good football coach a good teacher a guy who can prepare his team it's a very different thing to be that and a guy who like the visionary guy you know like the scheme guy the guy who's gonna like see what no one else sees or like beat you in a, in a schematic matchup those are two different things and it's almost like the you know joe brady has that brain where he sees stuff while like i don't know a scott linehan is an incredible football coach with a great career but like might not be like the schematic mind so that's what sorry it was a long way of saying i'm interested to see what happens with Durante jones in that sense because it's like can he match up with the chip kelly can he go head to head x and x's and o's and all that i think but I think the thing I am actually most interested in watching is Max Johnson, which is the most boring but obvious one, but I really stand by it because I'm a Max Johnson believer, but at the same time, I've heard some kind of just stuff of in camp, you know, like the O-line, as we know, has had a rough camp. It's just true. And part of that is purely, to be fair, about like oh, tons of guys injured, never have the same five guys out there any day. But one, you know, one pretty good offensive source said to me, like, Max is starting to look a little spooked back there just because the the pressure's in his face every day at practice. And and to be clear, this guy is high on Johnson. He's the, he's the same guy who said that's the kind of thing you can work out pretty quickly before the game starts and, like, the first game or two. Like, that will get out. I'm not saying I'm, like, hitting the panic button on Max Johnson. But that's what I'm watching is just – where is he with comfort in the pocket? Where is he with feel of the game? Now these QB one, it's a different thing. And I mean, Joe Burrow in 2018, people forget was really good. Like he was really good in 2018. I stand by that, but he Mm -hmm. was jumpy in the pocket. Mm -hmm. So I just, it's not like, which is just me saying, it's not like a knock on somebody if you're jumpy in a pocket, but that is what I'm watching. Yeah. And I, and and I think that kind of dovetails a little bit and maybe uh, hones down more in on what I was trying to say is like, is Max going to face a lot of pressure this weekend? Like, is the defensive line even good enough to where he's going to have a real look from their defensive line? And or is he going to have a nice little, uh, nice little practice time on the field and you know get his bearings with a maybe self-part <laughs> defensive line and then go from there? That's what I'm hoping for. Which so that leads us to our next thing, which is, uh, and I, I believe you put this, you frame this question yourself, which is, all right, if LSU wins, it's because blank. What is your reasoning? Uh, I mean, simply, the defense plays average. <laughs> okay. No, I think that's a perfect, simple answer. I, I think I think if I say if LSU wins, huh, yeah, I think that is probably – I don't want to go with you too much, but, yeah, I think that's <laughs> probably the answer, yeah. If the defense has fixed 
if the defense is fixed, there was just blatant incompetency errors. Yeah, I think that's okay, why LSU me, wins. Let, but let me interrupt you. And the O line needs to hold up. I'll say that. Okay, please. Let do. me interrupt you real quick. So, if I remember correctly, last year, did, did we like say on record that they just like weren't running zone because they just they they couldn't do it? Like they didn't have the personnel, the coaching. There was there was some issue where like like because in in, in the Mississippi State game. You know, Mike Leach is running his offense, which thrives on man coverage, and just guys are running open all over the place. And for some reason, Pelini just like wasn't putting a zone out there. Like, will this will this defense be able to run man in the zone? That's I and I would say both of those things are pretty vanilla as a normal concept. I'm not saying he has to switch up his coverages like Nick Saban does. Yeah. But, but will they be able to switch their coverages for this offense? No, it's a great way to phrase it because, yeah, I think you will see Borzone this year. That has been a strong thing we've been hearing. And that's a great point because last year it was like the way I was always told it was like, Pelini, they would literally, and I'm not making this up, would have plays where two different, like different parts of the defense were running different things. Mm-hmm. Like there were just some of the most just like inexcusable errors. And so much of the problem was also safety play. And I'm not saying I should blame the safeties themselves. I think a lot of this goes to coaching. But the safeties were such a problem because they basically would be like, the corners are supposed to pass it off to the safeties, but the safeties were not good at knowing when it was passed off to them. And then they would just let guys run downfield. And that's why it so often looked like it was, say, I don't know, Jay Ward or Cordell Flock getting beat. But it actually wasn't. It was the safety messing up. But my point is, yeah, there was such a disaster with the corner, like zone versus man and not being able to adjust and all that. So I, I, I think that's a great way. Way to phrase what we should really be watching here. All I'm looking for is confidence right now, and I would like to think that if they are confident, they will win the game. <laughs> All right, LSU loses because blank. I mean, you highlighted before it's because the offensive line is nothing, and then Max gets spooked back there. He doesn't have any time in the pocket, and then all of a sudden, all these lovely playmakers that we have can't even get the ball, and then once you snowball from there and then you you know i am kind of assuming that ucla is going to put up maybe 21 28 points just because our defense will be getting its legs under them then you know could you come back from that like what that's the 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 nightmare is a 28 24 game where lsu doesn't score until the third quarter because you know, Max is getting sacked all over the place and the vibes are just bad and everybody's mad all over again. And then it's too little, too late. That is the nightmare. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what I was going to say too. It's just if the nightmare scenario is the offensive line is your worst fears. And my, my overall feeling on the offensive line is it should be fine. I do not think it's going to be a strength like Ogeron was saying a month or two ago. I don't think that. But I don't think it's as bad as it seemed in camp because, yeah, so many guys were out, never at the same five, playing, by the way, a really good D-line every day in practice, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So so I'm with, I'm with yeah, but I, I think – it's is but if the off there's a chance the offensive line is that bad and it really does it a problem and if it is that's where things can become a nightmare because no matter how good of a processor I think Max Johnson is and all that stuff he is also a 20 year old true true sophomore with two starts under his belt so you can't just expect him to be able to 2019 burrow esque just dime up you know carve up defenses despite offenses letting getting let in so yeah I think that's the main thing I'm watching and and I think I just have this fear in the back of my head, and it goes back to our earlier thing about what we're more like confident in. I just have this fear in my head that it will just be like an offense that is not bad, not good. And I think that's like 
what LSU does need it to be the strength. They need that to be the strength. So I think that's almost like my my doomsday fear. So I'm with you on the offensive line, which now leads us to predictions, my friend. And I think I know what you're picking, but I still want to hear it. I mean, yeah, I've been leaning here. Okay. I'll just say it. LSU 44, UCLA 28. It's going to be like... Love it! It's going to be like 28-24 at half, and everybody's going to be like, oh my god, UCLA, uh, they are for real this year. And LSU, of course, LSU is just as mediocre as they were last year. They didn't fix anything. And then I, I just think talent wins out. And, you know, especially... LSU's a very young team, and I know UCLA's pretty experienced, so like they'll take advantage of that in the first half. And we'll all be, you know, really mad. But... Um, I just I think it's going to be a romp. I think the talent difference is enough. I just don't think UCLA has the talent to you know hold a lead over four quarters. That's maybe that's a, a homer thought of me. I feel like it's very measured, but that's <laughs> that's where I'm going. <laughs> um, I'm actually kind of annoyed because you basically stole like my my take to a T, yeah. um, which is that yeah I think I think part of me does think early in the game UCLA will like run on LSU pretty well because I worry about LSU's run defense mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff but that LSU should and it, it's it's a real battle for my uh, senses of identity because I am like I like to you know dabble in the analytics and stuff and like I love SP plus I love Colin Wilson at Action Network's analytic like projections and and I and everything in everything out there is pointing to UCLA is the bet for example because I think LSU is like a three and a half four point favorite whatever you get and like everything's like I think you take UCLA there but then I just go back to I think there's always a team or two every year where like the data is just so skewed mm-hmm. and like you can't take that data at face value. And these are actually literally the two teams you can't take that at face value because LSU 2020 was so not just in a like it was so off the rails, off the field, on the field, coaching disasters, off like cultural issues, all that stuff, a pandemic where like that is not exactly a sustainably rough situation i don't think while ucla it's like i don't think that's good or bad it could go either way by the way but like ucla very very small sample size playing a weird schedule all that stuff so i'm that's i just i think i have to remove the data and just go on my my gut and my knowledge of covering lsu and it really comes down to if lsu is what we think it is if it shows up it in my head should be 10 points better than UCLA. And I'm just going to go with that. And I don't think there's any way they take this game for granted like they did, say, Mississippi State last year because this team has a chip on its shoulder. So I will say, yeah, UCLA maybe gets off to a better start. Maybe they run, they're up like 21, 20 and a half. But I, I take LSU by about 10. Okay, just uh, I have to be a company man here because I found this very good this week. So I think I saw SP Plus had UCLA winning the game, right? Or three points better expected? I believe so. So we, yeah. we have a new model. The Athletic uh, Austin Mock is our betting guy who has it. Let me find. And he, he just does like expected points for, expected points against. Um, and I believe he had LSU by three, four. So he, he has he has them negative three point nine. LSU uh, has thirty five point two expected points. UCLA thirty one point three. So and and the like the MGM line that we use is three. LSU favored by three. So. Has them slightly better than that. I mean, but like you said, like I just I don't think any of this stuff truly matters right now. I mean, I know that the model is probably pretty good. I just think it's hard to go off the data from the last year and a half. And then when you're talking about college football, I mean, a year and a half is about ten years. When you're talking about players coming in and out, and results are so skewed. So the model will correct itself after this week, and we'll see. I mean, hopefully my prediction bears right, and uh, we're we have a happy podcast next week. 
<laughs> so I think that we're about to wrap up our first episode. I'm just gonna check in with my guy. How you feeling? I'm buddy? good. How'd I'm you good. Feel about yeah, I mean, um, I could I, I could use a fun Saturday. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, that would be pretty good for my life situation right now. Um, I was gonna ask you, uh, how, how you feeling about the first pod? You got your sea legs under yeah, you? Yeah, I feel great. Wait, we're we're gonna have better sound next week. I'm gonna be in a better spot. We're we're gonna be pristine. Um, how do you think it went? Will you be upset if? Well, will you be upset if I start a Twitter poll every single week where the day after the episode runs, I just ask how do you guys think Chris did, and they rate I think you, you should, and then you just really get it. I'm a man of the people, and just be really insecure about it. I'm a man yeah. of the people. You're a data guy. Yeah, I'm a data yeah. guy. I I am, I am for the fans. So uh, yeah, do it. I dare you. <laughs> but what are you going to ask me? I'm sorry. I wanted to. I wanted to know if you have some food spots uh, picked out in LA yet. Um, I actually. Wow. I've. Done, I think I have an excuse. I have not done That's any food fair. prep at all. I have been running around the country. I'm on like my third city in like five days. But man, that's a great call. I'll be staying in like the Pasadena area, mm-hmm. and I don't really know. Like I know at least some LA spots I gotta go. I might have to lean on like my colleague Bruce Feldman, who lives out in LA, and Antonio Morales, who lives out there. I need to check with those guys because you you're right. I can't go out there and half-ass it. You like can. this is what we do. You and mm-hmm. I, you and I get food. We talk food. And I need, I need to come back with a full food review. So thank you for inspiring me. I need to start doing some recon. It's, it's kind of I'm making this a weekly thing, so uh, I, I will need to know that, please. <laughs> all right deal all right thank you for listening i hope you did i hope you are happy hold that podcast has returned and uh and you'll get to know chris better over the next few weeks but hopefully our our impromptu thursday afternoon during hurricane debut was uh satisfactory and if not screw you we're going through a lot um <laughs> all right thanks for listening guys uh you can i believe there's a subscription deal up at theathletic.com slash hold that podcast of some capacity and uh check us out at, and uh yeah thanks for listening guys take care